So if you guys don't know me, my name is Tyler Dresback. Uh, I'm the worship pastor here. And I mean, you guys just experienced, I think just a little taste of the goodness of God, uh, heaven coming down. And the, what the beautiful thing is, um, that's really just our goal here all the time in terms of worship and music uh, and life together uh, is that we'd be experiencing heaven uh, like that. And I'm super grateful for my worship team just overall. Like I can't even explain to you guys like how lucky I am. Like I have worship pastor friends who I talk to pretty frequently and we'll be talking about different problems they have. And I'm like, I don't have that problem. Like <laughs> um, it's so refreshing. Uh, like, so you guys, you're, as, as Kingdom Life Church know that like the worship team we have here, like they truly are just people who are going after God and um, it makes what I do so much more fun uh, just that we get to encounter God like that um, where it's not even just like we know we encounter him in music, we know we encounter him in other spaces too um, and they live that uh, and that's something I think as a whole church that we go for as well. So um, thank you to my worship team for doing that well. Uh, tonight, I'm continuing our corporate worship. Uh, we're doing a whole series on worship, if you haven't, if you haven't been a part of us. Um, Nick spoke on corporate worship part one last week. Unfortunately, the recording got disturbed, and it's lost into an infinity. I know, I told him afterwards that it was like the most like heartfelt pastoral message I feel like I've heard him preach, and then it was just for us that night. <laughs> No one else, so <laughs> kind of appropriate, I guess. Uh, but so tonight, what I, what I kind of want us to do, I was joking with Matt, it's almost just like, um, like a big pep talk to sing. <laughs> um, we're going to get a little bit more theological than that, but I kind of want us just, just to, our, our heart posture to be there, kind of asking yourself, okay, how good is God and what is my response to him? And the major response we have inside of a church building is going to be singing. I'm gonna unpack that tonight. You probably haven't ha heard too many sermons about singing, I'm guessing, but it's funny because, I mean, at least half the time in churches, usually we're singing. Um, so I hope to correct decades of error there in one sermon that we got started late, so. <laughs> Uh, in my previous sermon uh, introducing the worship series, I talked a little bit about music in general and how music is uh, made not only by God uh, in Job, it actually says that when he hung the stars that the, the heavens were singing or that there was, there was like a, basically a soundtrack to creation alongside of God crafting everything we see in this earth. Okay, so even before, like this earth was in its full form before humanity was walking it, music existed. I don't know how, but it did. So I have to take that, there's a lot to unpack there, but that God made music for a reason. And we could do a lot with that there, but I'm gonna say he made music to connect to us. To meet us, to encounter us, to connect our hearts to his. There's reasons for that that we'll go through. But that's something where it's just, there's, there's a good amount of, a little bit of mystery there. With like, why, why even does like a musical note exist? Like it's, it's, it's a sound vibration in like the most physically scientific way. Like sound waves coming at you. But it is so pleasant. And when you put the right ones together, it's just, oh, 
that's what my heart wants to do. That's what my heart just, it wants to just go, oh. It wants to sing that out. Like it doesn't make sense unless God made music, made worship to connect to us. That's our backdrop here. So quick question with that. What does singing look like in the Bible then? Uh, there's a lot of different expressions. I'm gonna, I'm gonna rapid fire through this here. Um, I'm, gonna write, I'm gonna call out some references in scripture, but I won't read them, so if you wanna jot them down and look at it later, certainly feel free to do that. Um, so what does singing look like in the Bible? It looks like uh, cries for defense. It looks like celebration. It looks like perseverance. It looks like supplication. Uh, the longest book of the Bible is Psalms, and it is a book of songs. Uh, and all that stuff is in there. There's, woe is me, I am depressed, and then there's, I am on the mountaintop. Our God is good. <laughs> uh, also, Jesus with his disciples in moments of supplication or perseverance in the Garden of Gethsemane had them sing a song with him before he was arrested and brought to the cross. Music, or in, in the Bible, we see singing through connection and affection. So that's both me and God and me and you. Uh, Adam's first words to Eve were in the form of a poem. Uh, the Song of Songs is one big love letter. Uh, Paul commands the churches to sing together, the churches collectively, greeting one another. So when I greet, I like giving hugs, I like handshakes, it's greeting Hey, good to see you. Paul says, sing a song to each other. <laughs> Sometimes I do. I sing songs to my two-year-old daughter a lot, and she responds. Uh, so connection and affection. Singing in the Bible looks like deliverance of evil spirits, oppression, and repentance. Uh, we'll unpack this a little bit more, but in 1 Samuel 16, Saul is being tormented by a spirit that he does not enjoy. It actually says it's sent from God, which is one other thing to unpack. But to help him with that, Saul's servants bring David in. They go, hey, I know this guy. He's a great musician. He loves the Lord. David comes in, plays his lyre in Saul's presence, and the spirit stops tormenting Saul. Go figure. Lamentations was meant to be sung as a book of repentance, or a song of repentance. That was the purpose for Israel, that in their repenting, there's the, the music, music brings that emotional reaction. So it's like, hey, you're repenting? Sing a song. And then a heavy portion of the Psalms is just desperate cries, the most desperate cry you can come up, come up with to God about a situation. Singing songs in the Bible looks like a precursor to God moving. Uh, I'm gonna get to that at another point. Uh, singing in the Bible looks like an expression of the highs of life. So Luke 1, 46 and 47, Mary's Magnificant. says, and Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior because of how appreciative and grateful she was of the life situation she just found herself in. The lows of life. 2 Samuel 3 says, the king lamented for Abner. Should Abner die as a fool dies? Your hands were not bound. Your feet were not fettered. As one falls before the wicked, you have fallen. It's, it's a, a poem 
for in, in a song form. And it says, and all the people wept again over him. Uh, singing looks like evangelism. Romans 15, nine says, in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy, as it is written, therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. So our act of singing, whether here, in the nations, wherever we go, it is a declaration of who God is. Not only just for us, but to communicate to a world that does not know him who he is. And the last one here, what does singing look like in the Bible? Looks like an evidence of the filling of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 5, 18 and 19 says, do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. It's the contrast. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your own heart. So the contrast to being drunk is to be filled with the Spirit. And what do you do when you're filled with the Spirit? You just sing to each other. <laughs> and look at us, here we are, just spent 30 minutes singing to each other. I love that. So that's a quick flyover of what the Bible shows us what singing looks like. That could be unpacked way more, but for our purposes and for what I kind of, like as, as the worship pastor here, kind of want to give you guys a vision of what singing and music can really do and look like here in church. And then wherever you may find yourself, uh, whether you're a student who's kind of like in and out of uh, this geographic location or you know, in years from now when you find yourself somewhere else, whatever the case is, uh, that there is purpose and design in God's church gathering and singing. Like it's not just a feel-good ritual. There's actually spiritual power and purpose behind it. And that's something we can't neglect. And a lot of warnings in the New Testament are actually centered around neglecting doing that kind of thing, and even Hebrews, a direct warning to not neglect gathering together. So we're gonna, we're gonna get to that. But that's my heart here. Uh, and why singing? Um, Bob Coughlin, he's a uh, Sovereign Grace Ministry music director there. He says, all told, the Bible contains over 400 references to singing and 50 direct commands to sing. In the New Testament, we're commanded not once, but twice to sing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs to one another when we meet. So, uh, now the question, why sing together at church? I have three bullet points because we're all good Bible-believing folk and we know that the best sermons are delivered in three bullet points. And so that's what I'm gonna do. <laughs> all right. Why sing together at church? First one, spiritual warfare, defense. Again, 1 Samuel 16, Saul's rebellion lead him, led him to experiencing that harmful spirit. The best, quickest, easiest way, and that's not in a shallow sense, that's in a very real sense because it's like God showed up in it, was music. Don't know why, that's just the way it was. Second Chronicles 20, uh, Jehoshaphat had been uh, the king of Israel and he had been leading them through a prosperous time. Israel's enemies, uh, they had stayed far away from Israel and he had set them up to do well, following the law, reading scripture publicly, all this good stuff. In chapter 20, uh, things kind of start to go poorly because, uh, who was it? The, I think it was the Ammonites, I have this somewhere. And the Moabites, there we go. 
Moabites and the Ammonites came out to attack Israel. Like they're swords drawn at the ready, ready to go. Like a, a dog you see at the end of the, the alley. This happened the other day and they're just ready to attack. <laughs> this is them. It says, meanwhile, starting in verse 13, all Judah stood before the Lord. This is their response to seeing the enemy ready to attack. They stood with their little ones, their wives, and their children. The spirit of the Lord came upon Jehazel, the son of Zechariah, son of Benaniah, I'm gonna skip these sons, a Levite of the sons of Asaph in the midst of the assembly. And he said, listen, all Judah inhabitants of Jerusalem and king of Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid and do not be dismayed at this great horde, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow go down against them. Behold, they will come up by the ascent of Ziz. You will find them at the end of the valley, east of the wilderness of, of Jeru. You will not need to fight this battle. Stand firm, hold your position, and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid and do not be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them and the Lord be with you. So what's significant about that? This, you'll see the, the sons of Asaph. Uh, if you, in the later half of Psalms, you'll see a lot of Psalms written by the sons of Asaph. Okay, so this is, this is one of the guys who wrote, I mean, we don't know how many Psalms, maybe majority of them, maybe a few, who knows. Uh, but his whole thing, his job was writing music and worshiping God in the temple. And he stands up and has this kind of prophetic declaration, if you will, of, of how the Lord will come through for them. What is Israel's response to this? Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground and all Judah and its inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. And the Levites stood up to praise the Lord. The Levites were the musicians, the God of Israel with a very loud voice. So there's a spontaneous happening of praise that kind of just happens like, wow, we need God to come through. All of Israel breaks out in this praise led by these singers, these musicians. The next morning, Jehoshaphat assembles the army and then he kind of makes a change and puts the choir at the front. Here's what it says, verse 21. When he had taken counsel with the people, he appointed those who were to sing to the Lord, praise him in holy attire as they went before the army. Think about that, like how wild that actually is. Like there's a group of people with weapons, a choir, weapons. <laughs> and they just went. They sang, give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. And when they began to sing and praise, the Lord set an ambush against the men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Sir, who were coming against Judah. And so they were routed. <laughs> what I get from that is spiritual warfare, the best response we can have starts with a song. A good song. <laughs> Give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. It's like, if I was in that choir, I'd, I would, I don't know, maybe I'd sing, singing surrounded or something. It may feel like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you, please. Like, I don't know, but it's like, their, their minds, because of the revelation they had of God's truth, of his character, his nature, who he is, they went to his steadfast love endures forever. Hey, Israel, give thanks for him. 
For some reason, God used those spiritual songs as, as a means of him doing a mighty thing in the gathered group right there, Israel. Uh, Mary Slosser, she's a missionary to China, I think like early 1900s. Uh, she said, I sing the doxology and dismiss the devil. Amy Carmichael, uh, she was a missionary to India. She said, I believe truly that Satan cannot endure it and so slips out of the room, more or less, when there is a true song. And then uh, one of my favorites here, John Piper, actually speaking from this passage, he said, when God hears his children sing, he looks around and says, where's an enemy? And that makes me want to sing. (laughs) And it's the same thing as when uh, my daughter, Liesl, is too. She, she loves the song Strong Love that we sing here. And sometimes she'll just go, how high, how high? I'm like, okay. So I'll go get my guitar. And together we sing Strong Love. Your love is so high, your love is so wide, your love is so deep, love is so long. And she does the motions and she loves it. And it's that fatherly response I have where I just have to engage with her when she sings like that. I just have to. That's what God does with us when his children, when we sing. We are his children, together we sing. He responds, he hears us. This is another reason uh, that I'm gonna kind of trickle in some little pro tips, if you will, of singing corporate, corporately together. Uh, this is why I don't like shying away from lofty songs. Um, that's, some, that's like a kind of a criticism I've heard people say. So like, what I mean by a lofty song, um, uh, the most popular one was like Oceans back when it came out big time, like spirit lead me where my trust is without borders. People go, what if people don't want to sing, like what if they're not in a place to sing that song? Uh, and as a church, I want us to be drawn into those places that lead us to more faith, more prayer, more reliance on God, more surrender, whatever that is. So, so we will sing songs like I Surrender All, all to Jesus, uh, that will challenge and draw us deeper. And your responsibility with that is not to shy away or, you know, I, I'm not gonna tell you exactly what the physical response is, but emotionally, I'm not saying if you're in a spot where you can't sing that, to just like uh, force your way through, like fake it till you make it kind of thing. I want you to, to be there with it. Like it's, it's an awesome opportunity to say to God, I don't know how I feel about singing this right now. How about I sing it and you speak to me? Just, just it's kind of like this, this posture with your hands open, not triumphant, not pushing forward. It's fine. There's, there's times when that's, that's not where we are and see what God does. See how he fights for you. And a lot of times those, uh, those lofty songs, um, a, a physical act is a really good thing to step into when you don't feel something. So my, my favorite place to worship is on my knees. It just, it, it's almost like, I wonder if there's a scientific thing behind this or not, I don't know. But it's like, when I just go to my knees, I just feel surrendered. <laughs> and maybe, maybe I'm not, but I'm starting to feel it and that's something. And then as the Lord continues and works in us, like I'm, I'm going forward in that posture of surrender. Another thing is dancing. If you aren't joyful, maybe a good thing to do is dance. <laughs> maybe not always, I don't know. But I'd say that's probably a pretty good, pretty good place to be. Like if you're like, you know, 
this is hard. I'm gonna choose, you know, I might be the choir in the middle of these two armies right now, but I'm going to be in a different response than what my surroundings say. And if that surrounding is not joy for you, than doing something that sparks joy or just kind of like forces it on you. Even a sim- simple thing as smiling when you're singing. You feel like the biggest goofball when you do it. But guys, it's, it's, it works. Like it actually leads us to deeper levels of trust and encounter. There's no formula for how it's gonna work out in every exact way. I don't have an answer for all that stuff. I, maybe, it's, maybe it's in the middle of the song, maybe it's months, maybe it's years, I don't know. But I really believe that the truth we see in scripture of how we see the psalmist interact with God and respond to him and how we see things like this choir respond to an army in front of them. And then we're gonna get into Paul and Silas in jail, breaking out with a hymn. That it shows us that we need that response to him when our surroundings say something different. So we'll sing tough songs. So that's, that was the first one, spiritual warfare. Why we sing together at church. First one, spiritual warfare and defense. Second one, healing, miracles, and simple moves of God. What do you expect when we show up and sing at church? Like, my whole life growing up in church, it was like this song exists from verse, chorus, verse two, chorus, bridge, end. Next song, verse one chorus, verse two, chorus, bridge, end. <laughs> and like that was, that was what happened during worship, was that. And then, I mean, thanks be to God, like I figured out that he does stuff. And it wasn't like me getting like the secret key that I, I like didn't have this whole time and he just revealed it to me all luckily and didn't reveal it to that person. It was just like, wow, I got around people who also believe that God does stuff so we go after him together. And that's why the corporate worship response is so important here. So we'll get to that corporate worship response here. But healing miracles, simple moves of God. Uh, the Asbury revival, awakening, whatever it is, uh, it started everything with like the chorus, the, the choir singing hallelujah at the end of a chapel message. And God just whoop. <laughs> and people were just like, uh, we can't leave. It was like, for whatever reason, I don't know, God showed up in the hallelujah, praise God chorus. That's what hallelujah means. And he's been doing stuff ever since there. <laughs> there's salvations, there's healings, there's demonic oppression being released, freed, not released, <laughs> or whatever, how you really get it. <laughs> just, just through that simple start of hallelujah chorus. So Paul and Silas in Acts 16, they uh, were, were jailed. Um, and this is way worse than like the Grant County Jail, I'm imagining, like it's dungeon, uh, no lighting at all because the guard calls for lights in it. So they're in the complete pitch black. What do they do? About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly, there was a great earthquake so that the foundation of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried with a loud voice, 
Do not harm yourself, we are all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in. And trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. A little bit later. And he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. I don't know if Paul and Silas were expecting that to happen. Because <laughs> the way it's phrased is about midnight, they were praying and singing hymns. So it was almost like this had been a thing kind of happening for a while was the impression I get from the way it's worded. But then all of a sudden again, just boom. <laughs> God shows up. People get saved. Families get saved. Families come to the Lord who had not heard the gospel, had no other way to know him unless Paul and Silas were open to God in this. So this is where it's like, even when life circumstances, there they are again, army, choir, army behind them. And they say, we are going to sing and pray. That's our response. God will do the rest. So, I would love to see something like that at some point in my life. <clears throat> what I have seen, though, is uh, spontaneous healings during worship. Uh, that was one of the most fun things when I was a freshman at Taylor, actually. There were just, it was kind of the, the start of like, realizing that God does stuff in worship. It was like, oh, wait, you like, had a torn rotator cuff, and now like, it's fine, and you can go play baseball. Like, <laughs> and the difference was a worship service. Uh, God just doing a thing. Doesn't need to always be extravagant, doesn't need to be an earthquake, doesn't need to be healing. It can be simply as his voice, I think, is so easily heard in the context of a, a church worship service. And even, you know, worship in general. But I would, I would argue, like, there's something unique about the church body gathering and worshiping where he knows these are my people right here. They're gathering for a purpose they're unified, here I am. I remember I was sitting about where Elisa was uh, my junior year at Taylor, and there was a song where I was just like, uh, it, I felt like I was singing it like with my finch, my finch, my fist clenched. <laughs> and it was like, I was like, God, I love you. God, I love you, I love you. I remember like just kind of saying it over and over again. And then God was just like, Tyler, I know you love me. And it was like the most like subtle, sweet correction I've ever experienced in my life. That was also just like, oh, oh, he knows. <laughs> he heard me. He paid attention to me. Such a simple thing that is something that has marked me to this day. Another thing, reading the word in worship. I just encourage you, like, have a Bible open. If you don't know what to do in worship, just read the Bible. <laughs> That's fine. I will not hate on you guys at all for reading the Bible during worship. Um, but what's cool about that is, you know, Brandon, there was, a, there was a part where he encouraged us to sing our own song spontaneously to the Lord. Uh, if that is something that's kind of challenging to you, maybe like you're not a musician or you're not used to that kind of thing, that's okay. Something that could really help in doing that, that uh, is a really helpful, like spontaneous like affirmation and uh, like throwing ourselves up to God kind of thing is to have like a psalm open 
And it's like, because if you don't got a phrase, pick a phrase there. And it's as, and it's as easy as that to like step into a, an engagement with God that is you bringing yourself fully, you're bringing your own spontaneous song, but it's also happens to be written by God, which is great. <laughs> so we know that like God is in it and that he loves to hear that too. So these small ways, he'll also reveal himself physically. Uh, kind of goes back to physical healing, but also like our bodies, I think can actually experience the Holy Spirit in these certain ways. Like, I mean, like the most like common stuff you guys see, cause it's the stuff that like attracts views on YouTube. It's like people falling out and shaking and that kind of stuff. Uh, that happens, but it's also like, sometimes my ears get really hot. I don't know why, I could be cold and my ears would get really hot. And it's just like, that's there. Nick, when he experiences demonic stuff, his ears get hot. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I know that I experience, when I experience the Holy Spirit, that's why there's, there's no like automatic formula that we, we need to follow. Like this is part of like exploring God. Like when, when my ears get hot, I know I just like, okay God, like I'm gonna like try to tune a little bit more into you. Like are you speaking anything right now? Are you saying anything to me? Uh, another thing, um, when I, when I lead, and this is, I don't want this, I'm giving you guys examples right now to start to dive into like, how does the Lord meet you in worship? Okay, that's the purpose of these. So when I'm, when I'm leading from guitar, I've noticed this specifically, and I'm singing a song that is centered on the cross, I would say maybe like 25% of the time, I'll randomly feel a stab in my side, and I'll feel like something come down. For the longest time, I just thought like I was just being weird. Like it just like, I just like ignored it. Uh, and then it was actually a few years ago at, at home group at the Orvis's house where I was talking with Matt about it. I was like, yeah, I felt this. And it was like during Living Hope, I was like, oh. <laughs> they stabbed Jesus' side. Like it's just something where the Lord wanted to meet me. He's, he still does it. Where he's like, hey, I'm, I'm here, I'm in this worship, singing about the sacrifice that I gave you. I'm kind of glad I don't feel more than anything else. Like, I'll take the, <laughs> the gentle prod on the side, you know? Uh, again, there's no formula. I don't know why. I've heard people doing, experiencing crazier and weirder things during worship than what I often do with those two things. Um, and then also there's, there's things where, this is the corporate part, where, where people in our body can do things to help spur us on to faith. And this is also gonna to connect to the next point. But you know, example I wanna give you guys is like we have a lot of flags in the back here. And uh, you know, sometimes it's just like, oh yeah, we're a goofball, we're swinging the flag. It's like, no. I actually, I, there's a lot of spiritual power in it too. Uh, one of the most vivid times for me, again, I was, I was leading here. We were singing All Hail King Jesus, which is a song kind of centered on his death and resurrection. I had my eyes closed. And all of a sudden, I like, I like feel like wind on my face and I felt like a push in my chest and like I hit the drum kit. And I look up and Giselle was at the front right here with the lion flag. And, and I, I like burst into tears <laughs> at that moment because it was just like, I wasn't something I had on my grid. I wasn't expecting, I didn't even know it happened. And then it's like something physical in the spirit happened that set me back to a revelation of the cross. And that stuff is just meant to bring us into worship. It's not meant like, I, I actually, Paul actually kind of warns against going on about lofty visions. 
and that kind of thing because it can kind of just be like us one-upping each other. So the purpose of this here is that it would be spurred to worship. Like, like our response when God meets us, what is it? And those are things that I've experienced. I encourage you, like, like here's the setting. We got places to go. <laughs> God's in the room. We're gonna worship after I'm done talking, after we do baptism. Who knows what he's gonna do? I kind of have an idea sometimes, but then it's like, you know, Asbury happens. None of them had an idea. There's been stuff that I've been a part of. I had no idea it was gonna happen. That's the best thing, that God showed up and wanted to do a thing. So in, in corporate worship time, I really encourage you, uh, like it's, it's a really good time to hear his voice, to step, if there's like life decision, any of that kind of stuff, I think the Lord can speak really clearly in those moments, okay? Uh, that also goes with like relational stuff, repentance, going and seeking forgiveness, going, all that kind of stuff. Um, that stuff will be revealed to your hearts in worship when you open yourself up to them. So that's the second thing, healing miracles, simple moves of God. Uh, the last one, why sing together in church? Uh, edification, taking the truth, spirit and truth worship to our spirit edification of our hearts, that we would be equipped, encouraged to go out and be Jesus to a broken world. Uh, a little fun fact, um, in Nazi Germany, Hitler actually was really into the arts, <laughs> uh, which is pretty wild thinking about like how uh, an awful dictator had an awareness of how powerful the arts are. So, Actually, like if you go back, like uh, Jesse Owens, 1936 Olympics, there's like amazing footage of it because Hitler commissioned uh, documentary filmmakers to document that Olympics, thinking that the Nazis were gonna sweep. Jesse Owens went in, you know, America, and did, <laughs> did his thing. Uh, and so there's also uh, uh, songs written with Nazi propaganda that were like the only thing that existed on the radios. And we still have that today by whatever our culture believes is gonna be on the top 40 charts. Uh, but it's just funny how it's like the biggest swings we can go, like one of the most evil regimes we've seen on this earth to like America, land of the free, home of the brave, top 40 charts are the worst of what our teenagers are listening to and believing about themselves. That's just the power of music. And that's the, the power of art in general, but also like, you know, when we're here specifically, we, we employ the music to do that. Now, what does that mean about us singing? We better be singing truth. Because <laughs> the top 40 charts don't have it. Nazi Germany didn't have it. And then you're going to believe that thing that you sing, you just will. Usually, you don't walk away singing lines from a sermon. Well, you do walk away from church singing at night, in the car, putting your kids to bed, whatever it is. You're, you might be singing a song that we sang that day in church. And that's why that, that truth is so important that we hold ourselves to. That's like, yes, I actually, I do want this emotional wave to sweep me over when it's that truth. 
It's like my whole, my whole goal there is that spirit and truth worship to be fully truth, fully spirit worship. And that my mind would be renewed in that, that our affections for God would be stirred. This is why I think Paul said in Colossians, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. So Paul knew that we will believe what we sing. Just as Germany did, just as teenagers do today, just as we do, whatever music. So that truth is what we want. So the awesome thing about that is that with the New Testament, the new covenant, that God made us temples. So in the encounter with the Samaritan woman in John 4, she's saying, where where am I supposed to worship now? My father's worshiped on the mountain. You Jews say you have to worship in the temple. What's up with that? Jesus says, I am the place of worship. whole new paradigm. He gives us a spirit. We are now temples of the Holy Spirit. There are a hundred whatever temples of the Holy Spirit in here. That's the sound that God loves when we sing together. It's not the same thing if I came in here and sang by myself. There's gonna be power in that too, which we'll talk about in the next two, three, Next week, not the following week, the following week, when we talk about our individual worship. But there's a different thing that happens when we show up together, knowing that we're temples, knowing that we're cleansed, knowing that we're forgiven, knowing that God forgets our sins, and all having the same agenda that I want God to move, that I want to exalt him, to celebrate his goodness, to declare that his steadfast love endures forever and to give him space to do whatever he wants. So what is, what's the point of us singing then? Like, like why do you actually sing? I think there's some good biblical answers we can find, but one of the things that actually stuck out to me the most while I was preparing this, um, this kind of ties into Hebrews 10 where it says, holding fast the confession of our hope without wavering, he who has promised is faithful. Let us consider how to stir up one another together to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together. Here we are. As is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So how does that happen in our church? That's why, and here's maybe one of the biggest principles I want to take away, is that I actually need you to sing. Which is kind of a bold statement, I know. (laughs) Don't put that weight on me, get off. But this kind of ties to Paul actually saying, no part of the body can say to another, I have no need of you. So there's, there's something where I'm like, okay, I don't actually like ever believe that, so I gotta believe it. But then, what does the singing have to do? For me personally, I kinda wanna talk about it, this from this perspective. 
Some of the most profound transformation I've experienced from that, taking that truth to my spirit, the head and the heart, has been seeing you guys, my church body, sing through things that you're going through. Dottie, you and Henrik experiencing a miscarriage. Now we see Simon's floppy hair running all over the building. You are good, you are good. You're never gonna let me down. That's that song lyric we sing. Andrea, seeing your worship not change. Going from a full head of hair on this altar to no hair on the altar. All through a cancer diagnosis, doesn't matter. She sings, if I'm searching for a heart is your reward, then I am yours. Joe and Don laying your lives down for kids you don't know yet, both in your jobs and your home. I've made up my mind, I'm never going back, I'm never going back. Close friends of mine, you know who you are, who deal with sin. We repent together. We show up here and sing together. We know that God's forgotten our sin. By the blood of a son, I have overcome the grave. Ryan and Giselle, singing songs you've written that are the opposite of what you experienced, not feeling them, not feeling something strong, but asking God to do the opposite of what the anxiety or the fear that you had. You go above and behind me, below and beside me. There's no room for fear. That's something they wrote. Feeling the sorrow of family members, health declining, losing them, the winters, Trevor, Larry, and more. Oh God, be my everything, be my delight, be Jesus my glory, my soul satisfied. KJs and Heths, rearranging your lives upon the conviction that God still moves today, giving everything you have to do that in a land you didn't know. Being willing to be wherever God has, forsaking academic reputation, it doesn't matter. Catch me up in your story all my life for your glory. Alyssa, Dana, you getting baptized tonight? Testimony that God has saved you. Hallelujah, you have saved me. It is so much better your way. We're gonna sing that too. That's why I need you to sing. It's a powerful thing just to testify that I'm willing to sing, you are good, <laughs> as simple as it is, when it doesn't feel that way, when you're just experiencing something heartbreaking. That's why we gather together, side by side, sing. And I love it when we get to sing loud, because that tells me you know this. You know this is true. I want to invite the band up. And uh, baptism activity up. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All of that is our choice as a church for spiritual warfare, 
for declaration of God's goodness, to testify about him to one another, to spur one another on to good works, what James tells us to do. And that as a body, we would know that when we show up to sing, that God can do something. Sometimes it's bigger than others. Sometimes it maybe it felt bigger than others, but it's actually all the same thing. Again, I don't know. There's so much mystery here. But what I do know is that it's, it's about our voice together. Something I tell our worship team a lot is that the most important instrument in this room is your guys' singing. It's our singing. That's, that's the whole reason. It's the whole purpose of why we put instruments together. I want to invite you guys to stand. We're going we're gonna to sing a song testifying of the Lord's goodness that his love endures forever. That he was our defender, our redeemer. He predestined us for adoption as sons. He has made us temples of the Holy Spirit. So we're just gonna sing in light of that. Father, we just want to see you as you are. Would our response just be joy, admiration, affection, permission for you to do a thing. Here's our hearts, God. Shower us in your affection. Shower us, God. He rejoices over us with singing. Zephaniah 3. Before we even started singing, God started. <laughs> We're just going to join in in that.